You know, I'm sure by now most of you have heard about the extensive flooding of the sanctuary and the first floor of the building due to a pipe breaking. And it was heartbreaking when Kimberly and I were up there on Friday walking around and seeing all the damage that the water had caused. You know, I was thinking about it and it, I realized it's a disruption that none of us anticipated. You know, one more thing in the midst of already disrupted lives, isn't it? But one thing that I'm learning is this, is that God is always at work in the disruption of our lives. While we grieve and we groan because things aren't the way they're supposed to be, we don't grieve and groan without hope. We are people of hope because God always meets us right where we are. In this season of Lent, what I pray is this, that you will be pleasantly surprised by a different kind of disruption that God wants to do in your, in your life. A disruption that will, I believe, if you lean into it, break you free from a life of overwork, stress, worry, anxiety, and hurry, and bring you renewed freedom, joy, and a renewed sense of life. So to that end, let me lead us in prayer as we dive into the passage this morning. Gracious Father, you are the God who has created the heavens and the earth. You have created us. You have given us a, a rhythm of life. Father, I pray that you would come and meet each of us this morning and in this season of Lent, that you would open our eyes to the glorious reality of the rest that you long for us to have, the gift of Sabbath rest. I pray, come Holy Spirit, do a work in our lives this morning as as we look at your word. Come speak to us, come stir in us uh, things that you want to do, things that you want to reveal about our lives and that we would come as people by faith through grace to trust your transforming work in us. So come move now, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You know, I wonder what your understanding of the fourth commandment has been. Here's what we read in Exodus 20, verses 8 through 11. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God, and on it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now, when you hear that commandment read, I would gather for some listening right now, uh, you've got a negative connotation to this commandment. Some of you were brought up uh, that on Sunday you go to worship and then there was a list of things that you were told not to do. Don't do yard work. Don't watch TV. It was a day filled with all kinds of restrictions. It felt like a burden. Well, for some of you reading that uh, commandment, you've got feelings of guilt. You think, I should be doing certain religious things on Sunday, but I really don't. And then I would say for a lot of us, when we hear this commandment or think about the Ten Commandments, we view them in this way, that there are really nine commandments and one suggestion. <laughs> the one suggestion being, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. 
This Lenten season, we're going to be looking at one of, I would believe, God's greatest gifts to humanity, one that has been overlooked. It's a gift that we, I think, not only misunderstand, but it's a gift that we choose often not to receive and practice. What I want you to see today is I want you to see the fourth commandment, how it's rooted in a creation mandate. That, that in creation, God gave us a gift that we are to live into every week. In other words, in creation, God shows us a rhythm of our lives. And the rhythm is this, work six days and stop your work on the seventh. Here's what we read in Genesis 2, verses 1 through 3. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished the work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Here's what I want to do this morning. Two things. One is I want to unpack the rhythm of life that we see characterized by this creation mandate in Genesis chapter 2. And then secondly, I want us to take a look at what happens when we live outside of this creation mandate. So first, let's look at what God said in Genesis chapter 2. What we read after he created the six days is that we read that God rested on the seventh day. Now, the Hebrew word for rest here uh, doesn't mean what we often think that it means. You know, when you and I think of rest, we typically think of having worked really hard, become exhausted from our work, and so we need to take a break and we rest in order to regain strength uh, and be refreshed. Well, the Hebrew word here for rest is Shabbat, which means to cease, to stop. What we see is after God had worked six days, he literally stopped his work. Now, we need to see this, that, that God did not stop because he was wiped out and exhausted creating everything that he had done on those six days. In Isaiah 40, verse 28, we read this about God. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary, and his understanding is unsearchable. God does not grow tired or weary. See, what we see when God stopped on the seventh day, he stopped because he had finished creating. It was the ending of a specific work. See, what we find on the seventh day of creation is that God stopped creating and it was a purposeful stop. So we see not only did God stop his work on the seventh day, we see this, that God blessed the seventh day and he made it holy. What I want us to see today is this. The seventh day is a day set apart and holy. It's a day unlike all the other six. To be holy means to be set apart, to be different, to be special. You see, the seventh day, the Sabbath day, is not a day where we take off because we're exhausted from our work and we need a break. On the Sabbath, what we do is we imitate God just as God stopped working, so you and I stop working. God set this day aside for us to stop and delight in creation. 
You see, the, the created rhythm of our lives, frankly, is to be modeled after the life of God. As people who were created in God's image, because he worked, we work. And because he stopped working on the seventh day, so are we to stop our work on the seventh day. You see, friends, what I want you to see this morning is this, is that the Sabbath, one day a week of rest, is woven into our DNA. It's what you and I were created to do, part of the rhythm of our lives. But you know as well as I do, a few of us really practice that. Now, I want to look at what happens when we operate outside of this creation mandate, when we operate outside of of what is really woven into our DNA. You see, we operate outside of this because of the fall, because of sin entering into this world. We have distorted our work and made it something it was never intended to be. Think about it this way. Most of us work five days a week in our vocation, and then we spend the weekend catching up on all the other things that we need to do to keep our lives running. What are those things in your life? <laughs> in mine, they're the yard work, the, the household chores, paying bills, all those things that are necessary to run our lives. And so for many of us, Sunday is a day to go to church. Then the rest of the day is filled with all the stuff we need to do to begin a new week. Friends, let me tell you, that's not what the Sabbath day is to be about. You see, the life that you and I were created for has become fractured. And instead of living out of God's rhythm for our lives, we create our own rhythm. But it's a rhythm that leaves us wiped out, stressed out, physically and emotionally depleted. Here's what we see happening. Here's what I see happening. Is that we fill our lives with so many things. I mean, think about it. If you're a parent, how many activities do you have your kids in these days? I know when our kids were younger, we had them in, I think, a gazillion activities. And and we found ourselves weekly running or even daily running from one activity after school to the next to the next, get homework done, fall in bed, wake up, and do the same day thing over and over and over. You see, many of us also buy into a lie that the greater our accomplishments, the more valuable we are. And so what we do is we set out to do more, to achieve more. We look at what others are doing around us, and we think that if we're not doing enough, then we've got to go do more. What we value today is this. We value busyness. We value being overzealous achievers, (laughs) producing nonstop. We run from one task to the next, giving very little time to recharge, to rest, to laugh, to play. I think I've shared this with you once before. Our church in Houston, where I was a pastor many years ago, uh, we had our church offices at an office building in the Galleria part of Houston. And in this office building, I think we were on the, the third or fourth floor. And I can remember numerous times walking in the, the office lobby or the, the lobby, the main lobby of the, of the building, pushing the button for the elevator to go to my floor. And if it didn't come quick enough, I would walk away and take the stairs. Now, I, I'm ashamed to say I didn't do that because I wanted the exercise, I did that because standing in an elevator waiting for it was a waste of time. I had too many more important things 
to do. I bought into overzealous achieving and productivity. I read an article recently where the, the author, the writer of the article, was interviewing a pastor about Sabbath rest. And I want you to hear the question and then the response. And, and I want you to see this is not just something that I think applies to pastors. It applies to every single one of us. Here's the question that he asked. What tends to happen, in your observation, to pastors who consistently neglect Sabbath rest? Are there any warning signs when burnout is near? Here's what this, how this pastor responded. He said, I have found 100% of the time that pastors or people of any profession who are unable to take 24 hours off a week to rest have their identity rooted in their work and performance rather than in the grace of God. As the months and years pass by, you see the following warning signs. Loss of enthusiasm for the job, less creativity, less energy, more irritability, less effectiveness in the role, and an overall decrease in their joy and the fun and how fun they are to be around. I wonder, can you identify with that statement? If you can, here's the invitation today. The invitation that we have today in Genesis chapter 2 is this, that we would come and reorder our lives around what we were created to do. Friends, you see, not to rest is to live in a way other than God intended for us. Sabbath rest is a part of our DNA, and we need it to live and to flourish as God created us to do. The car that I drive has almost 220,000 miles on it. Now, the reason why it's lasted so long is because I've maintained it. I've kept it on regular on a regular maintenance schedule, and, and the main thing I've done is regular oil changes. But you see, I learned an expensive lesson many years ago when the car that I was driving back then that also had high miles on it broke down on the side of the freeway in Houston one Saturday afternoon. And I came to find out the reason why it broke down is I'd failed to replace the oil. You see, because I neglected the, the regular maintenance of the engine, the engine burned up. Friends, I want you to see the same thing is true for you and me. If we do not create a day of Sabbath rest each week, what we're going to find is our lives being stretched beyond their limits and unraveling. And I would probably say for some of you listening today, that's exactly where your life is. So let me tell you, as we wrap this up, let me give you some practical application on how to begin to think about the Sabbath as you go forward. Here's the question I want you to think about. What does stopping really mean? What does it really mean to stop one day a week? You see, our stopping one day a week, which is tra traditionally recognized on Sunday, is not about doing nothing. Here's what I believe it means. It means not to do anything related to our vocation for 24 hours. It means setting aside the day to worship God, to celebrate his greatness and his grace toward you. 
You see, in our stopping, what we're doing is this. We're declaring that we trust God with the whole of our lives, that we trust God's provision for us. You see, stopping our work enables us to to turn and delight in the Lord. (laughs) In stopping our labor for a day, what we're doing is we're acknowledging that Jesus is Lord over every aspect of our lives. And I know for many of us, that's a, we, we say that, but it's a, it's a challenge to truly live out. See, our resting on this day reminds us that we're accepted by God, not by what we do, but by what he's done for us. We rest because Jesus has met all of God's expectations for us. And we rest because through Jesus, God has given us everything we need. Pete Scazzaro, in his book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, names four principles for a biblical Sabbath. And these have really spoken to me over the last year. His four principles are this, stop, rest, delight, contemplate. First, he names stop. You see, we stop our work because God stopped. It's what you and I were created to do. And so we begin with that. And then the second principle is rest. I don't think many of us know what that really looks like these days, but to rest means that that we engage in activities that that replenish our soul, whether it's playing with your kids or spending time with friends, having them over for a meal, enjoying a, a walk, reading a book, taking a nap. Think about those things that that replenish your soul. So we see stop, rest. The third one is delight. Delight and enjoy the gifts that God has given you. And the fourth principle is contemplate. Spend time on the Sabbath reflecting on God's word, who he is and what he's come to do. Friends, what I think that you'll find as we we take this journey in this season of Lent and the weeks ahead is this, is that true rest is found in God and in God alone. And when we do, I believe that everything else begins to fall in its proper place for our lives. You see, this having a Sabbath day, one day a week, 24 hours stopping, is is not about a legalistic practice, but it's about coming back to the relationship with the Lord and living into the rhythm of life that he created us to live out of. And one of the beautiful passages that we find when we think about the Sabbath is is Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30, where Jesus gives us this invitation. He says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Friends, what I want you to see is the invitation of the Sabbath day is to come and rest in the one who has given his life for us, who becomes our rest. Now, I will tell you this as I close. I don't have this all worked out in my life. I have not mastered Sabbath rest, but I am working on it. And I am journeying through this just as you are. And so my prayer for you is that you would allow God to so disrupt your life in this season of Lent 
so that you could come and find greater freedom, greater blessing, and greater life. May you find rest in Christ, and may you find that he, in a greater way, becomes your true life and your joy. Gracious Father, I thank you for the power of your word, the truth of your word. And this is something that is so challenging for for me and I think probably for all who are listening to lean into. But I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would so graciously lead us down a path where we not just tip our stick our toe into the shallow end of the pool but that we will find ourselves deeping uh, diving deep into your refreshing waters of grace that we would truly find rest in you i pray this in christ's name amen